my brothers and sisters, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit. Um, This is the way meetings of believers should be. Not totally scripted. Um, There's not an order of service that we better follow. Um, There's no time limitation that we should put on God. Because this is about Him anyway. We're here to have fellowship with each other in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. So that shouldn't mean that, you know, right now if I go two or three hours, it shouldn't bother anybody. I'm just kidding. But my brothers and sisters, honestly, if you prayed that prayer and you believed it and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, He will answer. He will answer. Amen? Okay, today we're going to start, we, we just finished, but, you know, last week we were talking about uh, the benefactors and, and you know, that, that God is, a, uh, He's our benefactor. And because now we belong to Him, He owns us, you know, we get the benefit of His ownership, not an abuse by an owner, but the benefits of His ownership. But today maybe just a slightly different direction. 1 Peter 2.9, here's where we'll begin. But you are a chosen generation of royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I want you to notice a couple things. Obviously, um, I've uh, highlighted something for you, and I want you to keep that in mind going forward. However, I also want you to know that, look at what the Bible tells us, look what the Word of God says to us, that we were called out of something. We were, called, we, were, we were in a place, and we've been called out of that place. Amen? That's important. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be where I was before. He's called me from that place into a different place. Amen? Okay, but primarily though, today for the sake of, I think, where the Holy Spirit's going to lead God and direct us, royal priesthood. You are a royal priest. Amen? You're called to a royal priesthood. So now let's go back in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. We'll probably go a little further than that if the Lord allows. But then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire. Some uh, translations would say strange fire. Put profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. So get this picture now. You have the, the priestly line. Aaron is the priest and, and, and all the Levites are the priests. They're serving before the Lord, right? So it's their time to offer the incense. They, they have the incense. They have the censer and they have the flame of fire with the incense on it. They're offering it to the Lord. They're going in, inside to the Lord. Now, somehow, some way, it was strange or profane fire and it kindled the anger of the Lord and the Lord swallowed them, burned them to death right here, right now. This is not an allegory. This actually happened. This actually happened. So now that word profane, uh, it comes from a, a... I don't want to try and impress you with the Hebrew. Everybody in here has access to lexicons and everything else, dictionaries and all that. So I know you know that. But just for the sake of uh, exegeting this or for, to making the points, it, it's to be foreign or to, to be strange. So he offered foreign, something that was foreign, something that was strange. Now, if you look up profane in our in English dictionary, it says this, relating or devoted to that which is not sacred or biblical. Secular rather than, and their word would be religious, but let me say it to you this way, those of us who are born again believers, we know secular versus spiritual. So 
they offered profane or strange fire to the Lord. Now, depending on what you believe or whose commentary you're reading, some will say it was the fire itself that was taken from a different place. It wasn't taken from the right place. Or some would say, well, they burned the wrong incense or at the wrong time or whatever the case may be. But I, I don't believe it was any of that. And I'll, I'll tell you why maybe later. But f- for, for the most part, let's just say this. Whatever they were offering to God... It wasn't what God had prescribed. It was strange. It was profane. It was foreign. It was not what God had wanted. They were trying to do something that was definitely not uh, uh, godly. It wasn't what God had prescribed. Because we know, my brothers and sisters, that God was very specific in how He was to be approached. And that's why the law is, is still... Uh, important enough for us to realize and that's why we will use these because even in the New Testament it tells us that what happened to them or what the things that happened then serve as uh, examples to us. So when we look at this kind of thing even though we don't worship like that anymore uh, the fact of the matter is that is still just as real and just as relevant then I mean today as it was then. Amen? And Jesus said himself that he came to fulfill it because it was something that God had demanded and commanded and it must it had to have been uh, fulfilled. Okay, so now let me continue now. Back to Leviticus 10, verse 3. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. See, he wanted, God wanted to make sure that Aaron understood something, and we'll get into that just a little bit later. See, and, and, and I want to just introduce something to you right now, and it's not going to be anything that I haven't talked about before, and even some of you have stumbled on yourselves. I, I believe that um, the fear of God has been lost in, in the culture, in our culture and in cultures around the world. But I, I really have a, a concern that it's been lost in the church a little bit as well. I, I, you know, I've, I've talked about it all the time, and I'm not trying to beat this a dead horse here, but we cannot allow culture, which we have done, to invade the church or to affect the church. Amen? And that was one of the things yesterday where, where it was so heartwarming for me to hear, and I knew I was in the right place, and there may be some, um, you know, some hope for the send, because there were, there were ministers that were saying some of the same exact things that you know we've shared among each other, and they they and, and it's not well they agree with me, so I agree with them. No, it's it's what we're studying. It's what the Word of God says, and so uh, one of the things that we, one of the ministers brought up was the compromise with the culture, like we've talked about ourselves to be culturally relevant. You know, we figure we need a compromise so that we can be relevant, and and in fact, the opposite is true. And so now the church, in my opinion, has become way too casual in the way that we approach God. That's, that's, that's my opinion. We, if we don't fear God, if we don't have the fear of God among us, then how will the world understand how truly awesome and magnificent that He is? You know, we talk about, especially in the charismatic circles, there's, there was a little charismania going on over there yesterday, I'll be honest with you, but you've got to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And a lot of what that charismania thing is all about is they'll take one section or one point of what God is ministering and what God has for us and they'll do it without wisdom or they'll do it, that's it. That's where the major point of focus is. That's where the major emphasis was. Case in point. And I'm not meaning this to be disparaging. I want this to be a lesson to us. A young person came up to me and said, because uh, I was leaning. I stood a lot of the time, and I'm leaning on, on a bar. I'm just leaning, resting a little bit, and I guess he took it as I was having a leg problem. 
So he comes over to me. He says, sir, are you having problems with your legs? You have pain in your legs right now? Really concerned? I said, no. He said, no pain? No, no pain in my legs. Well, can I bless you? No, I'm good. See, I understand the zeal, but the zeal without knowledge, the zeal without wisdom is not good. And then when Michael pointed out something to me, there was a lady in a wheelchair a couple of paces down. He said he missed it by about that much. <laughs> good observation, Mike. But no, you know, and I'm saying that in a, in, a, in, a, in a loving and a kind way, but my brothers and sisters, those are the kind of things that hurt us. In, in, in a way where we're going to go ahead and we're going to you know, emphasize in, in, you know, from the pulpits and, and in our groups and all this, this power of God and everybody's going around doing this. But man, we need balance because if it's not balanced with the truth, with the Word of God, if it's not done in wisdom, with discernment, with the full power of the Holy Spirit, you can sometimes cause more harm than good. But here's the other thing. That pendulum can't swing all the way the other way. Well, because some people don't do it right or some people are acting out of uh, immaturity, we should not do it. Baloney. I'm so glad that God is still in the healing business. I'm so glad that God is still in the miracle business. And some of you should uh, are as well because you prayed just a little while ago believing and trusting God for something that you've trusted Him for and you believe if you left it with Jesus a little while ago, it's going to happen. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I don't need, we don't need for everybody to run around this building flapping their wings or doing anything like that. And and by the way, that didn't happen yesterday, I'm just saying. (laughs) But we don't need anybody to do that in order for us to show that that's how God, God is at work. Because that also, my brothers and sisters, is irreverent. That also is way too casual with the Word of God. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again. I, it's, it's hard for me. Sometimes God will give me a word, and I really, before I speak it to you, before I, I, I come up with a word of knowledge where God has let me know something that either you're having a problem in your life or whatever, I, you know, I, I shudder because I don't want to, I, man, that's, that's humbling. I want to make sure I'm not missing God. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, I could be hurt doing more harm than good. So it's not this big deal where, hey, God gave me a word, so now I'm going to go up to Eddie. Hey, Eddie, this is that and the other thing. I, I, I know people that will do that and if you say no like that young man yesterday that left me he probably was thinking I know that guy was really hurting his legs <laughs> right could be I'm just saying using that as an illustration no we should we, we're humble before the Lord John even said it in his prayer we're humble we should be humble before the Lord when he blesses us with those spiritual gifts that doesn't to puff us up and to lift us up we should be. We, we we need to remain humble because I didn't have that until He gave it to me. Amen. It's not me. And the minute I start thinking it's me, that's when I start putting certain expectations, and that's when I start going ahead and adding me to it. And when I start adding me to it, guess what? Spirit's gone. Then it's going to be all me. Hallelujah. But when the same power, see, we have that, you know, that's the power that we're enamored with. You know, those of us or Pentecostal, we, the power of God and the laying on of hands and all this stuff, it's awesome. It's great. It's great. But, but what we forget is that same awesome God, that same God that is so powerful. Remember when He appeared to His people on Mount Sinai, it was so intimidating, it was so powerful, it was earth-shattering, earth-shaking, lightnings and rumbling earth and everything else. They were afraid of Him. Why? <sighs> Moses, you go talk to Him. 
And remember what, remember what God did. God told Moses, make sure they clean themselves. Make sure they purify. Make sure they sanctify themselves. And he said, make sure that there's a certain boundary. Make sure that they don't come past that boundary because if they come past that boundary, they're going to die. Why? Because I'm so awesome. I'm so magnificent. That can't get near me. It will be instantaneously burned up. Nadab and Abihu found that out, didn't they? Hallelujah. See, but that same God that we're looking for all of these signs, wonders, and miracles, this is the same God that demands, my brothers and sisters, that He be approached in a certain way. Casual, we've become so... He parted the Red Sea. That's the God. That's the God I serve. That's the God. He, he could part the Red Sea. He can shake mountains. He can... He, man, He does all of these mighty... He spoke everything that we see into existence. He made something very great from nothing. There's no one that could do that except Him. That is a powerful and awesome God. And I love that. That's the God that we serve. That power, that... I'm, I'm going to use some bad grammar here. That awesomeness is the same reason why we should approach Him carefully, humbly, with respect, with reverence, and not be so casual. That same awesome God demands, commands reverence. What is it? It says in the New Testament, right? We're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Why does it say that? It says that we should walk circumspectly. These things are to remind us that He's God. We always need to remember that. He is God. I'm not. He owns me. Remember that from last week. He's my Lord. I'm to serve Him. It's not the other way around. Amen? One of the speakers yesterday was really, I mean, just had me because, you know, it's just everything that we've been talking about and all that. But one thing, he gave his testimony. He said he was, when he was a drug addict and an atheist, he never had any Christians to tell him that Jesus loved him. He had plenty of Christians to tell him why he better change or he was going to hell. But he never really had any Christians tell him that Jesus loved him. And then he found out, I can't remember exactly the circumstance, but he found out that the Lord accepts him as he is. As messed up and as twisted as he was, he found out that the Lord loved him. But here's what else he preached. This same man preached and he said what he also found out is that the gospel demands change see I could receive the good news it's good news in fact you know one of the uh, the illustrations that he uses he, says he gets on the plane and the stewardess offers him a newspaper he says don't need that I got the good news <laughs> uh, nothing but good news it's good it's all good it doesn't change it's good news every day and see the gospel is good news but the gospel demands change Amen. And part of that change is I receive, I receive that I'm reconciled back to God. I'm grateful that someone like me who was dirty and disgusting and vile before Him, I've been reconciled back to Him and I get to have fellowship with Him now. I get to worship Him. I get to serve Him. He is my Lord. He owns me. That's an awesome, awesome thing. But I've got to keep perspective. See, but we get so casual. Now, I've talked to you before about, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I, I have not, I've preached now, I don't know, maybe two years without a tie, but prior to that, how long has it been? I, mean, I don't know, it doesn't even matter. But I still feel funny 
on those days when we say, okay, it's family day, we can wear jeans. I, I just, it's just me. I still know some really great pastors and preachers that don't dress a little bit for them, don't wear a jacket, but I know plenty that still wear a jacket and tie that are awesome guys, awesome preachers in the Lord. So I'm not, what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to, I don't know, cast any aspersions or say, you know, what I say goes and all that. But just hear my heart, okay? Yesterday, while we were here, there was so much praise and worship that was awesome. I mean, it was, I mean, there were so many times when the lump was rising up in my throat. I mean, I couldn't do anything but lift my hands, you know, and just praise God and just give it to God, not care who was there. But to be honest with you, there were so many thousands of people there that were doing the same thing. It didn't matter. And some of these uh, worship bands and these worship, they, it was about worship. It wasn't performing, but there was one. It was about performing. And, there's no, and they stood out to me like a sore thumb. But one thing that bothered me, and it's not, a, and so hear my heart, let me, let me get through this. Don't turn me off or think that I'm a Pharisee or a legalist. But just, just hear me out. One of the lead singers, one of the lead vocals was wearing a t-shirt and it said Miller and it had the race card at the Genuine Draft. So, okay, Tony, big deal. What does that mean? Well, you know what? Do I think that um, that person is going to go to hell because they were doing that? Do I think that that highly offended God? I don't know. But here's what I do know. You're in a position where you're trying to lead praise and worship to God. To me, that's a little bit too casual. Because now, I also know that God gives us wisdom. If we're operating in the Holy Spirit, God gives us wisdom. And so now you're there ministering to young people. You're ministering to young people. I don't know about you, but I've already, there we have, our young people have already too many excuses to do the wrong thing or to make bad decisions. I don't want someone who is supposed to be leading praise and worship to God to also give them a sign that anything like that is okay. Are you with me? So listen, hear my heart. Hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not trying to be legalistic and I'm not trying to be a Pharisee. But man, if we're ministers, we better be using some wisdom. We better understand what it is or what are, what are we called to? What are we called to? Who is the audience? Who are we trying to minister to? Is God really... Uh, it, man, uh, and it, it, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And, and, and only because of the kids. Now, am I going to go ahead and am I going to change my thought process on you know, how God feels about drinking and all this other stuff? No, I'm not. It's not going to change me. But let me ask you all something. You're raising children. Some of you are raising children, and obviously small children. And, and, you know, children, especially once you hit the middle school age. Man, we're trying to raise them up in the church and tell them, that, I'm not, man, if you take a drink, you're going to die. No, I'm not going to say that. But here's what I'm going to say. Why would you even want to do it? Amen. Even casually. How do you know if you don't start, if you do that casually, how do you know that that wouldn't be a gateway to something else? Or if you have one, then two is okay. And now all of a sudden, beer's not doing it for me anymore. I'm going to go ahead and drink something else. How do you know that you don't have a predisposition for alcoholism? How do you know that? So why even flirt with it? Why, why should we mess with it? So now here we are going to a Christian event. And we see, so where, where's my point? What, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about, see, we've become way too casual about how we approach God and our service to God. I believe that we've become way too casual. And it's sending a different message than we really, I think, we should be sent to our young people coming up. 
Are you with me? Yes. See, now remember, back to the t-shirt thing. I was thinking about this and I shared that with Michelle this morning and also shared something. When Mike and I were up in this area, there were a couple of ladies. I think one of them was from Canada or something. But Mike, you know, that uh, the Daily Word t-shirt smacked, I mean, I love that shirt. And when I was, I sent Mike a picture. When we and Michelle went on our uh, little getaway there, I wore that and I was hoping that somebody would ask me about it, but they didn't. But anyway, <laughs> they were probably just talking behind my back because I said, but now Michael, every time I'm around Mike, he never, he's never in a place where he's a stranger. Everybody, somebody's always going to talk to him, but some, they started talking to him about his shirt, right? And so Mike goes down and he's going to give the shirts away. That's what Mike does. That's, that's part of his ministry. So now, as they're gone, because now they notice his shirt, we love the shirt. One of the ladies said, he's a nice guy. I mean, we like him. I said, well, he's a likable guy. Said, sure, you know, what? You should. I said, wait till you get to know him. <laughs> no, he's a, no, he's very likable. But now watch, watch. He wore a t-shirt that has a message that has really honors God. How many people asked that girl about her t-shirt in a positive way? None. I'll guarantee you, none. None who were interested in the things of God. See, my brothers and sisters, what we do, how we approach God, how we worship God, the things that we do, the things that we say, it means something. It means something. But first and foremost, I'm not putting on a show for other people. No. I'm not worried about, you know, I better look holy for them because, you know, Pastor Tony said, no. Or, or the Bible, no, I'm afraid, no. I worship you, God. I love you, God. And my life is, is, is my worship. It's not just about Sunday or Wednesday. My life is worship. So I worship you, God. I'm going to be careful about how I live in your presence. See, they're talking about, when we're talking about in the Old Testament, they're talking about going into the, into the uh, inner courts and then into the Holy of Holies. There's these things, these ceremonial washings and these things that they have to do. But because of the blood of Jesus, you and I have the opportunity to be in the presence of God all the time. All the time. So I want to approach that with reverence, with the fear of the Lord, with a deep respect and honoring His majesty. He's awesome. And I can never forget that. Amen? Amen. Now the antithesis of this is... uh, could also be detrimental. And what I mean by that, again, this, the pendulum may be swinging all the way back the other way. That being, all of a sudden, we start doing a lot of religious rules and laws. You know, like, you know, ladies got to wear skirts down to their ankles, and, well, don't cringe, Isabella. We didn't make that rule yet. <laughs> no makeup. And some of you guys that have been involved in holiness churches and movements, you could... Name off a list. But that's no. See, we could also be, you know, go the other way and be totally legalistic and, and, you know, be pharisaical about some things. And so that is also, that could be bad as well. See, okay, so what's a mother to do? Honor God. Put Jesus first. Read the Word. And God will help you. God will direct you. God will lead you. Don't let the culture lead you. Don't let your friends lead you. Don't let your boss lead you. Don't let Tony lead you. Read the word and let Jesus lead you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Amen. There's a lot of amens in here. Now we're going to go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. 
Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Yeah, hallelujah. Just leave that up there for a little while. Listen, do, do, do you see this? See, back, remember I, I explained it to you really quick-like a little while ago, that in the law they had all of these things that they had to do in order to be clean to get before God, right? So now this is comparing how Jesus, you know, in Jesus, how, what we have. We're, we're, how much more shall the blood of Christ, see that? The blood of Christ makes, makes us clean or it redeems us. It paid the price for us. That's from our lessons as discipleship and everything else that we've been. He owns us. He bought us. He redeemed us. It's not just the blood that washes us. It's the blood that paid the price for us. It's not just a cleaning and now I'm good. No, he traded his life for ours. He traded. He paid the... It's a total price that he paid for us. How much more the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot. See, it's, it's not just that he spilled some blood in a cup. He, was to, he, he offered up him whole, his whole self, his whole being, after living a sinless life, after being totally obedient to everything that the Word of God would have for him to do, he did. And then totally sacrificed himself. Amen? So, now look. Look at what it says. Cleanse your conscience from dead works. So now look. I'm cleaned. I'm cleaned. He, he redeemed me. I'm in Christ. And now listen, I don't have to worry about anything else. I have no more guilt and shame. Now I can approach Him. See, now I could get in His presence. I don't, have, I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to worry about getting in His presence. He's going to swash me like a bug because of all of those bad things that I did or who I used to be. No. Listen, Jesus, now I can have confidence. I, have, I can have confidence. Now look, dead works can mean a couple of things. I really believe that in this passage it, it means those, uh, you know, the sinful works, the, 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 the works of the flesh. But sometimes it could also mean just religious. And they could be just as sinful, just doing religious things. And thinking that we're okay because, you know, we, we're doing the religious thing. So sometimes we depend on doing religious things to, to soothe our conscience, to, to, you know, we've done these things. Like I, I went to church, you know, uh, all month. I, I never missed a Sunday, so God owes me something. I even went a couple of Wednesdays, so he really owes me something. Come on now. Well, you're awfully quiet. So he really owes me something. No, no, no. See, all that did was to make us think that, you know, we're okay. You know, that, that somehow soothes our conscience. But when we're in the Word and we've truly been reconciled back to God, we've been redeemed, we know that we're good in Christ. See, and that's why it's so specific. That's why the law is the law, and that's why it shows that it's to point out, if you look at all of the law and the things that they had to do, the hoops that they had to jump through in order to get close to God, even to the extent that the priest, when he went in there, we know he had to have a rope tied to his ankle. He had to have the the bells, and if those bells stopped ringing, they had to pull him out because he dropped dead before the Lord. Come on now. He could not get into the presence of God if he had sin in his life. There wasn't the proper sacrifices or the ceremonial clean. Even the labor had to be cleansed properly. There were all of these rules and laws in how to approach God. And in Christ Jesus, my brothers and sisters, we don't have to jump through those hoops anymore. Why? And this is what it's explaining to us. Because he spilled his own blood. 
He spilled His own blood, gave us the right to go in and have fellowship with God. Amen? And as long as we're in Him, that we're good. We have, the, we have this ability to go in and worship God, to get into His presence in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's an awesome thing. So He got me there. Who? Jesus. I don't serve now a religion or religious denomination. I, I, don't, I don't serve any order I serve God in Christ. I am also called not to serve my own dislikes and likes. All of a sudden, I didn't, now I've been redeemed and now I know better. So, you know, I, I, I have the ability now to be the own God of my life because now, after all, I've got a little bit of knowledge. And so, you know, I'm gleaning some stuff from the Word. And as long as I keep this one, this one, and this one, I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. No, I still cannot serve the lust of the flesh my own likes and dislikes. I still have not been given the right to go ahead and serve Him any other way except what He requires. Is this message boring? Good. (laughs) But I I want you to get this. Because I think, like I said, I think we've become, generally speaking, I think that we've become so casual with how we approach God and how, and, and listen, listen, listen. God is everywhere. Okay, God is everywhere. But my brothers and sisters, if, I'm pray- if I really believe that I'm having fellowship with God, and I really believe that I'm in a place where I can call on the name of the Lord and have things done, if I ask in His name anything, uh, uh, it will be done. Isn't that what He says? Now, if I really believe that, which I do, then, and, 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 so that means, my brothers and sisters, that some, He's right here. He's right on me. He's, and He has His Spirit in me. He's right here. And so that means, listen, that in my life it should reflect that. Right? Can we agree on that? Okay, so now if He's an awesome God, if He is all-powerful, almighty, can squash me like a bug anytime He wants, but He hasn't, shouldn't something be different about me? Shouldn't I walk with a certain kind of reverence toward the things of God? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I, you know, I'm going to say this, but I've got to clarify because I know you're not going to like it. Shouldn't I shudder a little bit? See, I know that turns a lot of people up. We should be scared before God. No, but we should be walk in honor and humility and be humbled by His presence and approach Him with that. I love you, Lord. You're awesome. You're an awesome God. And I, right now, the one who spoke me into existence, that one, I can go to Him and He'll hear me. And He says that not only does He hear me, but He will answer, Wow. That's an awesome thing. But I got to... See, he's everywhere. So you're always in his presence, Tony. He's here. No. See, that's the thing. You know, I got to be... I can't be like uh, Nadab and Abihu. I can't be going ahead and, and offering profane fire. What was the profane fire? A lot of people guess. I, I can't even remember if I gave it to you. Tony, you could just leave that up there, please. I can't even remember if I gave it to you. I don't think I did. Listen, not too long after, let me see, hang, hang with me, just, just forgive me, and just hang with me for a minute. Here, verse, verse 9. Verse 8. I'm going to start in verse 8. Uh, Leviticus 10, uh, 10, 8. I'm going to begin in 8. This, this is why I believe what I'm about to, to, 
speak to you. You shall not go out from the door of the tent of the tabernacle. Let me make sure I didn't give that to you. I want to make sure, Lord, help me in this moment. Let me ask you something. Let me do it this way. Let me ask you something. No show of hands. No confessions. Can you think of things in your life right now that are maybe iffy as it relates to you know, your service to God? You know, uh, I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. And, and you just, I'm not casting that on anybody, but just to get you thinking. Help us to be introspective. Okay, do you use words that maybe you shouldn't? Mm-hmm. You know, do you, um, do, when you get around certain people, do you change the way you act a little bit? Um, do you drink? Um, and I'm not going to stand here and tell you that drinking is going to take you to hell. I know for a fact that getting drunk is not what, God is totally against that. There's no question in my mind. And, you know, do you drink a little bit? And, and if you do, Why? And when you do, do you drink to catch a buzz? Are you drinking to forget? Are you drinking to numb yourself? What you, what's the purpose? Are you drinking to be social? Do you smoke dope? Because that's a very common thing now, especially now that they're uh, legalizing it and things like that. All, any of these things. Do you, listen, do you lose your temper a lot, like with your kids, with your spouse, with those people that are close to you? Does, are those things happening? See, because, my brothers and sisters, if we're living in the presence of the Lord, if we're, if we're worshiping God, I'm not saying that God is going to kick you out the door in a minute. No, what we need to do is we need to realize that He's God. And those things that we may be casual about, He's not. He takes those things very, very seriously. So in this uh, scripture, where you see the priests of God, remember that word priests, we see the priests of God casually approaching God, let that be a lesson to us. I'm going to go back to Hebrews now. Hebrews 10. Therefore, brethren, in verse 19, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil... Here's that word again. Here's that describing something to us. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We draw near to God in worship and service. Listen. We have a faithful high priest now. Jesus has made the way. He's, listen, He's made us clean before God. In Him we are clean and we can now approach God, right? Isn't that what it says? And it says, listen, He traded His life for ours. He paid the price so that mankind can be reconciled back with God. But now in the, we got to, listen, this isn't like a one-time deal where now we're good, we can go to God anytime we want and blah, blah, blah. Hear me out before you just turn me off because I can hear some of you turning me off right now. Listen, 
Let me read it again. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What's that? Faith that Christ has reconciled us back to God. Faith in His blood. Faith in the redemption that we have in Him, right? Now, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. What does that mean? We were baptized in order for us to go ahead. No, that doesn't mean that. Should we be baptized? Yes. If you haven't been baptized, why not? If you have not been baptized in water, why not? You should be baptized in water. But my brothers and sisters, this is not what that's referring to. Having our hearts sprinkled. Now when it says our hearts sprinkled, remember before we talked in the other uh, scripture, the other passage about our conscience, this is the same thing, having our hearts sprinkled. Having our thoughts, where we think, our emotions, everything that we are, where we think. See, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eventually, if I think these things, I'm going to act them out. If I continue to think a certain way, it's going to come out in how I live. Can anybody anybody say amen to that? That's true. Okay, so now watch. So now I'm having my hearts sprinkled from an evil evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure word. So now all of a sudden, everything I did in my past, I'm acknowledging it was bad. I felt guilt from it. It's gone ahead and it's taken away. But now it's in this other thing. Now my body is being washed with pure water. Now I'm being baptized. No. Listen, our guilt has been removed. Our bodies are washed. How are they washed? Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. By the word that he might present her, us, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I want to tell you all something. If you think that you're approaching God but you're not reading the Bible, you're not doing it. Wow, that was a strong statement, Tony. Yeah, I know it was, but he said it. I didn't. See, look it. I have to stay clean. I have to be clean. See, this, this thing that where I was, I was redeemed by him, I went to the foot of the cross, his blood united me with God. Now, listen, it says that he's washing me with water by his word. So, listen, whatever word that I got when that, got, when that drove me to the altar and I, I, I gave my heart to Christ, was that all the word? No, of course not. That was just the beginning. That was just to get me there. Now, I, had, I, t- I shared this with you. I shared this with you in my testimony. Man, there was weeks and months that went by that I wasn't living right. I was living according to what I knew. And then I told you, I told my father, hey, I'm going to do these things. Uh, you know, Michelle's coming back. We're going to go out. I'm going to date. I'm going to do this. Hey, you know what? He said, don't worry about it. Read and pray. Why read and pray? Because the reading would tell me, would help me, would instruct me. It washes me. It starts getting rid of the filth. That's accumulated. And really, what it does is it's the filth that's been accumulated by my father, Adam. Boy, why are y'all quiet? Why are y'all quiet? See, my father, Adam, it, because he allowed this different nature to be alive in me. See, the, the, are, you, are you with me? He allowed this nature to become alive in me. This nature that wanted to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That nature in me that, that looks to please me rather than God. He, he, he made that alive in me. So by washing of water by the word, I start getting that rinsed out of me. Right? I start, that starts to rinse that out of me. So I'm called to God. I, I, I love you, Lord. I thank you for redeeming me. Now wash me. How do I, wash, how do I stay clean? Stay in the word. Watch this. Jesus speaking to his disciples in John chapter 15. He says, you are already clean because of the baptism that I gave you. No. You are already clean because of the word that I spoke to you. 
You're already clean because of the word that I spoke to you. You see, my brothers and sisters, this is not really hard. If you're not reading your Bible, man, you are not, there's, there's no way. You, you don't have a snowball's chance. You know where. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We've got to read our word. Our body follows our mind. So if I'm reading this, and this has a chance to do something to my mind, to change my mind, to wash my thoughts, are are you with me? Then my body is going to start to follow my thoughts. Hallelujah. This must be boring because some of you guys look like you just can't wait to get out of here. Lock the door. (laughs) Hallelujah. So now let's go back to Leviticus. Now here's where I wanted to go. I almost got ahead of myself. In Leviticus, uh, again, in uh, chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 4. Then Moses called uh, Mishael, El, um, Elzaphon, excuse me, the sons of Eziel and the, un- uh, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. Now the, he's talking about the two guys that were struck dead by God, that were burned. He said, Okay, carry their charred corpses, get them out of the camp. So, that they, uh, so they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp. As Moses said, and Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, now Aaron was their father, and these other two guys are mentioned, also priests, they're uh, the brothers of Nadab and Abihu, who were killed. Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die. You see what he's saying? And the wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, be well, be well the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing of oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. You hear what Moses said? Look, let me paint this picture for you. See, now look, you've got the father and the two brothers. Their, their son, their brother was just absolutely wiped out by God. Now he's saying, don't you show outwardly that you're bewailing that, you're bemoaning that, that, you, you're, that you're not in agreement with that. Don't you do that. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Don't you do that. Don't you tear your clothes. Don't you do that because now you're saying that you don't agree with God. You'll be saying that, you, that God did wrong. Come on. That, that you're not... Well, it doesn't mean that, Tony. Can I have these feelings? No, he's saying don't you do that because listen to what he says. Because what's going to happen is your example is going to affect all the people. What you do is going to affect the people and God is going to, He'll pour out His wrath on you and them. He'll kill you all. That's the loving, kind, merciful God? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because you see see how loving, kind, and merciful He is? He told Moses, tell him to stop. Moses got a word from God. He delivered the word and they obeyed it. They obeyed it. Okay, that's the God I serve? Yep, that's the God I serve. That is absolutely the God I serve. I'm glad we're not living back then. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Listen, when bad things are happening, you can't say, well, God this or God that. You can't go out there and bemoan all of these things and expect that that's going to be a good testimony to God. It's not. I can't go ahead and live my life like everybody else around me, be affected by the same things that they're affected by 
outwardly, show it outwardly, because then what would the difference be? I have a God who is living inside of me, a God who has told me that I am the head and not the tail, a God who has told me that in Him I have shalom, I have peace that passes understanding. In Him I have joy. I have, man, unspeakable, full of glory. I have all of these things. So now, if I'm acting like they're acting, if I see something that, that, that's happening, and, and I either blame God or besmirch the name of God, or somehow or another say something other than what is coming out of this book, am I being his priest? Of course not. I'm called to be his priest. I'm called to be his priest. I'm called to, listen, offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to him. Not the spiritual sacrifices that I think are acceptable. Not the spiritual sacrifices that I think are acceptable. Um, I want to make sure that... I I still didn't give you the... Let me go a little bit further. Excuse me. Uh, And again, I have to apologize because... In verse 8, Then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, it shall be a statue forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish, listen to this, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. You hear what? That's why I believe those guys, they weren't following any of They were probably intoxicated. They probably drank strong drink. Were they totally stone cold drunk? I don't know. But all I know is that they weren't themselves living a chaste life like they were called to live. They were approaching God and and I think that that's why these scriptures immediately follow the scripture that we just talked about. Them being dead and then God instructing uh, Aaron and his sons don't mourn for them because probably the people in the camp already knew what kind of priests these guys were. And so now if you mourn for them you're saying that that's okay. Come on now, golly, I feel like I'm losing you. Man, what's going on here? Think about this. When we approach God, it's got to be the way God has called us to approach Him. When we're worshiping God, it's because, listen, He is God. So He has every, every, every right to expect us to worship Him. How? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Truth. Man, we're drunk with the things of the world. We've allowed them in the church. We're drunk. (laughs) Be not drunk with wine, we're in his dissipation. But be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. See, you know I've preached this to you, we've taught it, we've studied it together. You know, it's not talking about just being uh, uh, drinking alcohol or being drunk or, or having some things. And Don't let anything affect your mind. Don't let anything affect outside, affect the way you think. Why? Because as you think, that's how you're going to live. And God has called us, listen, we're supposed to be washing ourselves with the Word so that when we live, we'll be living according to what we're washing ourselves with and no longer be tempted to do, listen, I'm going to worship God this way. Man, do you know, I've, I've, I, I admire some of the big church pastors now who are speaking out, and I've had pastors, I've heard pastors from the pulpit saying, right now there are people in here who are uh, living together and who are not married. And you're wrong. Don't do it. I've, I have, you know, there are some people that are hung over. 
in this building right now. I'm not talking about this building here. I'm talking about hearing from other preachers and teachers. They'll say it right from the pulpit now. Thank God that we have some of these men of God who are no longer holding back and who are telling the church like it is. There are people in here who are living in adultery. They'll say it right from the pulpit. See, my brothers and sisters, why? Because we're living in a very specific time. And it's about time that we have more and more people of God, not people in the pulpits, but disciples of God living according to what we're reading and then, listen, not making excuses for other people or excuses for God. I'm not now talking about calling out everybody's sin. I'm not everybody's fruit inspector. But what I am is someone who is supposed to be teaching and preaching the truth. You cannot worship God any old way you want to and think that He should be satisfied with it. You can't come to church and get up on your knees at the altar and then go home living with that person that you're living with and think that that's okay, that God accepts that. No, He does not. That's profane fire that you're bringing before the Lord. That is profane fire. And I hope this message goes everywhere. We cannot bring profane fire before the Lord and expect anything, any prayer to be answered. We can, how can you do that? He showed us what he, how He feels about it in the Old Testament. Yeah, but that was back then, Tony. It's the same God. The same God. He feels the same. I'm so grateful that He didn't squash me like a bug yet. But I'm also grateful that He's planted a word in me. He's given me His Spirit, you see. And now I have an opportunity. Because I have the influence of my own flesh, my own mind, but now He's also given me the ability to take into captivity every thought or imagination that tries to distract me or elevate itself against God. Are you with me? Come on now! He's given that to you as well. But are we using it? Are we depending on it? No, because, see, it's, it's too casual. We could just go ahead and play a little bit. We can go to church, you know, do this, do that. We're okay. No, you, no. If we're really worshiping God, we can no longer bring profane fire before the Lord. Strange fire. Listen, anything, this, is the, this, is, this is so specific for us. So specific, and I think we're living in such a specific time where this is so relevant to what we're doing in the churches today. We cannot go ahead and think that any old song service, any old way that we want to do it, is okay with God. We, we, listen, I, I, when I was in the church even back years ago, huge choir, but I know because I knew people in the church and in the choir, there was stuff going on in that choir that no one knew, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm glad lightning doesn't come out of the sky while they're singing. Now listen, as silly as that may sound, but that's how serious God is. And just because He hasn't struck anybody down yet, that doesn't mean He's less serious about it. He showed us. That's why we have this word, you see. And that's why He brings it to us. And that's why He said, let those in the Old Testament be an example to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for the example. Thank you for showing me how serious you are. You are a true and living God. You are almighty, all-powerful to be highly esteemed. You are above all. Like my brother prayed, there's no one above you, there's no one beside you. Lord, we acknowledge that now, but Lord, we've messed up. Lord, forgive us for approaching you with strange fire. Lord, wash us Wash us again with your word. Yes. 
Let this word today, Lord, spark something in us, fresh and new. Lord, those of us who are your disciples, according to your word, you've called us to be your anointed priests. The anointing we have is your Holy Spirit, your spirit of truth. So now I beg you, Lord, help each and every soul represented in this room, young, old, and everywhere in between. Help us to receive this word and strengthen us. Baptize us again in your blood. Wash us again with your word that we may walk according to that spirit that you've placed in us. Father, that we may please you. We may be serving you in spirit and in truth. Father, not according to this passing fad or fancy not according to this, this new revelation or that new revelation, Father, but according to Your Word, Your truth. Your Word is truth. Help us, Lord. Help us. Give us discernment. Lord, give us wisdom that we may walk in obedience to You. Father, thank You for Your grace and Your mercy, Your tender, loving kindness, Lord, which allows us some space to repent. Thank you, Lord, for that. And that's what we're doing now. Lord, I, I, I just beg you, Lord, help every person in this room. Father, I don't care who we are, how old we are, how long we've been serving you, we could do it better. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you now. Help us. Help us to realize not just when we're in these meetings, but every minute of every day, how big you are, how awesome you are, how magnificent you are, and the grace to act accordingly. Thank you, Lord. I'm begging you for that grace. Hallelujah. Father, we prayed a prayer earlier, and I know you heard it. And we asked you, Lord, for some of these things that we've been praying over and over. So right now, again, Lord, I want to remind us, remind me. Jesus, we believe in you. We believe that all things are possible if we believe in you. And we believe in you. We trust you. We love you. So thank you for those things that you've given to us. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for being so merciful and so patient with me. Church, what are you thankful for? What what comes to your mind and to your heart? As we're praying this prayer together, what are you thankful for? Is it your spouse? Then give thanks for it. Or her or him or, you know, is it your children? Give thanks. Yeah, whatever it is, whatever comes to your mind, whatever in your heart. Lord, we thank you for the everyday things. Father, for the jobs that we have. Father, for the houses and the cars and all of these things which we think we need to sustain life. Father, we thank you and help us not to take these things for granted or let these things be put ahead of you. 
Help us to keep perspective, Lord. And I know that we could do that if we're in your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would give each and every one of us in this room a strong desire to read your word every day. That we will be in your word every day. And for those of us, Lord, who think that we do not have time, I pray that you would help us through your mighty power and wisdom. Help us to carve out a a piece of the day that we can totally dedicate to you and your word. Is there anybody in this room that agrees with that prayer? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 For you men, you're supposed to be the priests of your home. 